and welcome to Plus One to Gaming. I'm Chris. And I'm Eric. And today we're going to talk about something a little different. So one recurring theme on this show is improving our abilities as role players, as DMs, and collaborative storytellers. So I wanted to talk today about setting goals for yourself as a player or DM. And I know this, some, this might not be something we actively think about, but I do think it's something that we've done since we, we've been playing, and that's just trying to get better at playing the game. And whether that's reading articles, listening to podcasts like this one, hey, or watching YouTube videos, <laughs> but what better means is going to be different for everybody and every table. I think it can fall into a few buckets. I know for us, it's more about creating interesting characters, role-playing, and running our games efficiently to just maximize the fun and the time that we have together. So Eric, based on some of the past campaigns that we've run, the characters we've made and you know the discussions we've been having, what are some ways that you want to grow or evolve as a player? And how would you apply those into our upcoming game? One of the ways that in 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 the games that we've been playing one of the things that i have been focusing on is i mean it's it's pretty basic but character voices um it's not something that i ever really did much before but since we are so much more focused on role playing now than i think we used to be or at least i am having having my character voice like helps me get in to the mindset of that character so that has been that's that's been a big goal of mine in, in every campaign, and really especially in the one that I ran, because I had to have several character voices. Um so trying to make distinctive different distinct different characters, I needed distinct different voices. Not easy to do. It is not easy to do, and it's it's hard to remember like <laughs> I'll say it probably like how did what was this person's voice? How did they how did they sound? No no joke, I will like practice driving to and from work almost the whole time. I think we I, I mean I think we've talked about it before, but like one of my technique I'll I'll watch so for for um trying to get like the Arabic accent for you know has some Egyptian marketer or uh vendors and different people. I I watched a a couple of videos on like how to do the Arabic accent and driving to and from work, I would be listening to podcasts or music or whatever. And I would just say what they say. I would just like mimic the podcast in the accent and try to find like where it works for me. Um, and it, it was hard. Yeah, it <laughs> it, is. it's hard. It's hard enough to do with one. And I mean, you could tell if you listen to that series that like the person that I did it the most on has the best. And then the other ones kind of go in and out of whatever accents, like German to Italian to Australian kind of fusion. <laughs> um, but it, it, I put a good amount of hours into it. Uh, and yeah. I think that that's like, I don't know that if you want to get good at anything, that's that's what you have to do. Practice. Um, you have to practice and finding like ways to practice a collaborative game by yourself is kind of tough. Uh, so so with voices, at least that's what I would do. I'm in my car. No one can hear me. Like, I'm not going to be embarrassed. I don't have to think of what to say because I'm just mimicking what either the music or the podcast is saying. Uh, so that, that like helped me get more range of vocabulary 
while I'm not actively trying to think of like, what am I going to say next? And, you know, kind of fumble on that. So it took one of those kind of like barriers away. Yeah. Uh, so, so that's how I practice voices. And that has been a big goal of mine to get better on. But and why is that? That I want to dig into the 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 why behind because it's been interesting. I mean, we've been playing. I mean, we've known each other forever. We've been playing, yeah, for maybe like I think eleven years now at this point, maybe more. Like it's been a it's yeah. been a really fun journey. And if you would have asked me ten years ago, you know, could I ever imagine Eric doing character voices? The answer would probably have been no. Yeah, I think part of it is like, well, I mean, first of all, getting like getting over myself a little bit. Character voices are like by nature kind of a lot of times kind of goofy and and since we're not voice actors we're not good at them so like getting over that sense of like i don't want to look like a dork i don't want to i don't want to be embarrassed um just just getting over that i mean first of all it took a long time yeah but also just amongst friends you know exactly i mean you guys make it i doubt i would do (laughs) i doubt i would do a lot of the voices i do with a table of strangers um so so i don't think that i'm like perfectly over that hang up but also just i don't know it kind of took like getting get actually getting into it and thinking that it's important and we've talked about our evolution of like the type of player we we are and like i think i have specifically when we started playing DD, i wanted it to be like more like wow that was the like world of warcraft was the the real like nuts and bolts fantasy that i had like a lot of experience with um so like i the first time we ever played i played a rogue and was astounded i couldn't be invisible like i had to hide did like didn't make sense so i wanted it to be more like combat focused and tactical and dungeon crawler and, and we did that for a while and like as we've evolved role-playing has become more important and just on that like growth and timeline character voices have. And it's kind of the latest thing that I'm working on in my toolbox, but that might be because I've worked on the other things over the 10 years or however long we've been playing. Yeah. Well, I think it's that next evolution too, because as you develop the personality and character, they're going to have mm-hmm. a, maybe a unique way of expressing themselves. So I think it's just yeah. another layer that you add on to, to your character, practicing their voices and their inflection is, is mm-hmm. a great way to prepare. Cause as you mentioned, it can, it can be a vulnerable space to put yourself it, out there like that. Yeah, it can. And I mean, I fret over it a little bit. Like I'm not, and I'm not worried about like being embarrassed or anything like that, but I am worried about like doing a bad job. Well, cause we like, want to create an immersive experience, like for your character, if you're playing as them or as the DM, you know, mm-hmm. role playing NPCs for your, for your players to engage with, like you want to, you want to give them an authentic and immersive experience. Yeah. And like the next character I'm playing is a female and a human so i i have to like i've never really i think the line of like a guy doing a lady's voice can be it's a hard line to walk it can be really annoying sometimes um so not only like am i working on like the pitch and like tone of this character's voice but i would like to give her 
at least a slight accent. Mm-hmm. And so I don't want to pile like too much stuff on myself because like, I'm just doing my voice, like the way I talk and I add a little bit of twang to it. Like that's easy. But adding more and more and more, it, it, I just start to lose, like it's easier for me to lose the grounding on it. Oh yeah, or, like, so many my variables. Layers. Yeah. It's interesting too. So bringing more of the character... And maybe we can focus on your your upcoming Star Wars character. Mm-hmm. You know, if depending on her past, if she's you know a loner who is slow to trust, you know, a way that you can manifest that into your voice is just like very cold, terse answers. Yeah, you know, at least until until maybe you know she warms up or something. Exactly, and that, that's interesting because it is like so much of your personality comes through in your communication style Uh and i mean like you said at background like that's part of why like i like giving accents because it tells you something about that character right away yeah um so like if we're thinking star wars again or even just you know 5e standard setting i i imagine that everybody that's like in the cities that's like in the world that we know they speak without accents you know, they are, because that's what accents are. Like, everybody has one, but if you're in your area, nobody notices it, so it goes away. Right. And then if somebody has an accent, they're foreign, you know, or or something. So it, it immediately, right off the bat, tells you something about this person. They're not from here. Yeah, and that's a, especially within the Star Wars realm or the medieval fantasy, you know, Faerun setting, yeah. that's easy. That's a great, you know, thing to... Mm-hmm an easy platform to stand on to give you something to work with. Yeah. I mean, especially in these like smaller campaigns where we're, we're not going to have a ton of time to develop these characters. Um, yeah. I, I just think it's like, it's a nice, it's kind of cheating. <laughs> like it's a nice way to, to give you a lot of background without having to do the like storytelling work. But I do have to do a lot of like the uh, voice acting kind of work, which is also hard. So yeah, that that's those are like the that's the main goal that I have now. My my goal always though, or or recently, has been to to create like an interesting character that's like fully fleshed out that isn't just like the sum of their parts in so far as like the the mechanics that they have. Yeah, which for a long time that's what it was. Like I am a ranger that can do this, this, and this. That is my character. And they're defined by the things they can do. Yeah, they're defined by the things they can do, not by the things they've done or will do. Because, like, they will do whatever. Who cares? (laughs) Is is the mentality that I've had before. I never really, like, locked myself into, like, what would my character do? It's like, whatever. Whatever's easiest. Let's get through this and fight some monsters. Yeah. Um, The thing that I love that I have rolled into my, my toolkit from you is really focusing on like push and pull type mm-hmm. character traits because then you have and, and having a concerted goal that's going to drive them one way or the other like it makes it so much easier to role play and that those are the types of things that i think like like you said really make it easier i want anchor points because like just thinking what would this person do is really hard but if you have a like this is their end goal that's pulling them and this is what is pushing them like out of this space it's it's so much easier to to come up with like actions and reactions or inactions sometimes or inactions yeah like 
so my my Star Wars character, and I am struggling a little bit to like flesh this out with her more than I have with some of the others. Uh, but she's a bounty hunter, so she's not a law person. So she's not going to more than likely like interfere in things that don't affect her uh, target and her job. Yeah. So she's not necessarily like lawful good. Like I have to help the downtrodden, but I do want her to be a good person. So there is like, there's that struggle of like, I should help them, but if I help them and I break my leg, I can't feed my family or I can't like feed myself, you know? So there's like that kind of struggle, but knowing like knowing their goals helps you with that and knowing knowing their like background and and what they what they're running from or what they're running to helps you with really kind of any situation that makes a lot of sense and it gives you just good material to work with because to your point you don't want to back your character or yourself as a player into a corner Mm -hmm. that's not going to participate in the game because he built somebody with very focused they're so laser focused on their goal that there's no chance of it really, or maybe maybe a better way to say yeah. it is it's more difficult for that to overlap with the party, the rest of the party. Yeah. And, and it is. And at that point, I think you're being a, not you, Eric, mm-hmm. you as the person we would be talking, this imaginary person uh, would be a selfish player doing that because yeah. or maybe taking a selfish action because it's like, okay, well you, now we're running my story. Yeah, and it, it's it's I I agree. Like that is that is the trap that so many people fall into, and it's it's hard. It's an easy trap to fall into because you are creating your character. So, and most of the like media and stories that we know of that we would pull from is focused around a single protagonist more often than not. Um, so it it is kind of hard sometimes to like come up with an interesting backstory an interesting motivation for an interesting character that also works well with others. And that, that a lot of times is like the trick. There was a period of time where like, that was the thing that was my goal. Like that was what I worked on after playing for a long time in the like selfish player area of like, I'm going to make my character, my character's the most interesting because I'm the one that made him and they have a goal. And it's obviously the best. I've played like that before. And I've played with other people that have played like that before. And it's not, I don't know. When you, when you actually get into like a real game, you find out that that isn't that fun. Yeah. When you're thinking about the character, it's fun. Because you're thinking of all the cool adventures this person can get into. This is what they can do. Oh, they have this arch enemy. And you're, you're writing like a first person story, a single person story in your brain when you're creating this character. But when you get to the table, it doesn't work like that. And I don't know. It sometimes it takes like it takes either seeing it a few times to see the pattern and realize, oh, the the pattern is me. I'm the one doing this. Or it takes like a, a higher than average level of like emotional intelligence to have the foresight to not do that. But I feel like a lot of us do that, and it's easy to fall back into that trap. So it's it's something yeah. you have to watch out for. And in order to maybe help mitigate that i think the zero session is such a powerful tool for anybody to to help avoid that trap or at least identify that maybe you might be walking into it when you talk about that character just the creation and that Mm -hmm. party dynamic discussion 
it's really useful to understand what those ties are. And if it's just so hard, everybody's trying to massage their own backstories to fit yours. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, that's not going to, it's not, not going to be the most collaborative game for everybody, I think. Yeah. And D and D's, it's a special, it's a special thing. Like there aren't really a lot of, I mean, since D and D it has spawned like this whole genre, but I don't know. It, it's, it's just tough to, to like stay in that mindset. So like you said, the, the zero session is really important because I think we've, we've talked about, I don't know if we've ever like solidified what I would say, like the player's journey is like you, for myself, at least and probably the reason we haven't solidified it is because I bet it's different for everybody, but like starting out as that selfish player and wanting to just tell your story. If you have somebody on your table, who's, you know, a couple of years ahead of you that has seen that and gone through that and is into the more like, no, we have to work as a team. Having the zero session to talk about that can, it can save you a lot of, a lot of pain uh, to be like, oh, okay. Yeah. I didn't really realize, but that is what I was doing uh, because that's. Yeah. You bring up a really interesting point that I've not, you put a term to it that I love and like the player's journey. Mm-hmm. And it makes me think back to when we were, I think it was when we were playing Tomb of Horrors. Yeah. And and I actually maybe other themes too, but just like, um, you know, Billy got into D&D year, a few years before us. Yeah. So like he was definitely on a, a further path on his player and DM journey than we mm-hmm. were. So playing some of the games, like reflecting back, it's, it's very clear that I can see what, you know, he was doing something different. Yeah, because he had different perspectives and he was just in a different place. Count or the uh, I guess maybe trade off to that or the friction because we were newer players that actually did create some friction in game. Yes, it did. And so I just um, think it underscores the point that you made is that people are going to be on different spectrums and different paths and different mm-hmm. you know places on their journey. Having those conversations to kind of align and find where the collaboration is going to happen, and if there's, you know, if there is some room for more individualized expressions as well, yeah, I guess it's okay to make room for that. But really recognize that you are a party. Party means more than one. Yeah, and you're there as a group to, you know, to tell the story or play this game together. Yes, and that really was so that that game is. I mean, obviously, like it was. It was a fun game and it, it like sticks out of my mind, but it was the time that I I remember going from wanting to be like more individual and more um, just like dungeon crawly video game, like Diablo style to being a collaborative team. Um, I had been wanting that anyway. So like in that game, we didn't really zero session it because we were crunched for time. We did like um, a prep session. We did a prep session because uh, we built, I don't remember what level we were, but we built like higher level characters. So it took a while and we could talk through it. Um, but my the, like... Like a quick context thing. We were actually trying to play the Tomb of Horrors almost like a board. Like we wanted to just try the encounter. Yeah. That was so the we just Yeah, we just started at the beginning of the tomb. Um, and the backstory that we like kind of came up with was that like we are a... a like a dungeon crawling company like company in the sense of like like lord of the rings like the company of dwarves like we we came together we we picked like the perfect the best thief the best this person the best like we wanted to all be experts 
yeah, we basically wanted the Ocean Eleven in. Um, so we wanted to like give ourselves the best chance we could to beat this this game or this uh, dungeon. And Matt was like, I really wanted like we all have roles. We are a team. It really was kind of Ocean's Eleven. I didn't think of it. <laughs> I mean, we spent maybe eight hours on character creation, item selection. Mm-hmm. Like we spent a, a, a significant amount of prep time, which I think is why you became so upset. Yes. Uh, so we we gave ourselves what I thought was like the best chance we could, because this this is like a no, like no quarter given, like very famous for for killing whole parties dungeon. So it's not like, well, this is what my character could do. Well, your character would try to beat this damn dungeon. Like that's what <laughs> like that's the goal. Yeah. So Bill did something that maybe not i don't know he was i he i think he was a little more uh like cavalier about things um than i was and did something that like threw a wrench in that and it created a lot of friction but back to the point he was on a different level than i was and now if that happened i feel like we're more on the same level if the same thing happened i think i would enjoy it I think I would have. I think I would be having as much fun as he was then. Yeah. Because uh, he thought I don't even. He like walked through a portal, and it took all his like left him naked items away and left him naked. And like yeah. the whole time, we're just being like really careful because we know this thing is super trap like ridden. And I'm like, why would you walk through this damn portal? You just like now we have another thing we have to do you just like knocked us back an hour this was also at like three in the morning so we were all i was cranky (laughs) but if that if that thing happened today like that's good storytelling and that's more the the like place that he was then and the place that i think we are now he may be in another zone who knows but yeah i think that's a that's a good point so I don't know, maybe we should like try to hammer out some of those like different stages. And and I don't think they necessarily have to go in like a specific order. But but he and I were not in the same one. And we didn't have a zero session to kind of figure out which what we all wanted out of that game because it was a, a bachelor party. So we were like all together for the first time in a while. Let's just let's play this let's play D for five hours. Yeah. But yeah, it, it could have helped, but who knows? Okay, so we we talked a lot about growing or evolving as a player and some of like the stratus layers that you go through, the stratified layers that you go through uh, throughout that journey. What about as a DM? So you ran Mass Frost. Um, and I think was that the first one you've run in a while? Yeah, I mean, I, I was the first one. I, I ran. I think maybe the. I'm trying to think of the first one I ever ran. Uh, it may have been the starter set. Yeah, the Lost Minds of Fandelver. Yeah, the Lost yeah. Minds of Fandelver. And that one was really, des- like, literally designed for, to be, like, kind of everybody's first time. So I prepped a lot for for <clears throat> for the starter set. Uh, I printed out the full map. I printed out a bunch of, like, other stuff. So, like, we had my dining room table. I bought a whiteboard and gridded it out. I printed, I, like, I went full like full bore into the deep end yeah yes so then i was really i'm trying to think of like what i was focused on i mean i I was focused on trying to make sure everybody had fun and fun we did have because we had the lego out our lego characters we had lego characters so i traveled to cincinnati and you brought like the whole kit and caboodle too 
Like yes. you brought our characters, you brought the the Lego dragon that we fought, you brought every, literally everything. Yeah. I mean and that helped I mean so part of part of being a DM is like being excited about the the campaign that you are running. If you are not excited about it, it's never it's gonna fall through hundred percent of the time because you have to put so much effort into it, especially in the beginning when you're not like good enough to just wing most of it, like wing it, which I was not. So it was, you know, we followed the rule book pretty closely. There were some, some other things I threw at you because I thought the team was going a little crazy, but I spent a ton of time doing it. And part of what like made it more fun for me was like building out like Lego enemies so like I had basically a Lego avatar for everything in the uh, like the monster manual section of that book. I don't know what like the compendium, like every every enemy you would face. I had the Lego version of it for all of your characters. I built out, you know, we all went through our character creation and, and described them. And I went online and bought Lego avatars for everybody. Um, it was so like, cool. I still have them. Lego by far is the premier choice of D&D miniatures, I will say. Oh, yeah, I agree 100%. Because, like, Mac, one of our other buddies, his character was a, like, WWF-style wrestler. And, like, you're not going to get that on a D&D mini. Good luck. So, yeah. So, luckily... Lego has like basically the ultimate warrior uh, Lego. So I bought him that. <laughs> like, so there's just like, you can get super creative. If you get new weapons, you can like buy them. So like, I think, so I had an avatar for every pair, every player, every NPC and every item. So if you found, you know, glass staff staff, I had a special staff. And now Jake's wizard character, we switch out his old staff that the, minifigure came with and you get the new one um so i don't know it was it was really cool and that's a lot what i was focused on then was like it was a very diablo style understanding that i had of dungeons and dragons like we are going through a dungeon we're killing monsters we're getting loot and i wanted that i since that's what i was focused on i wanted that to feel rewarding in like a, a real way uh, so I bought those little weapons. Um, and, and from the player's perspective, someone who played in that game, your, your objective, it was absolutely and resoundingly achieved. It was so, del it was delightful as a player. Like I'll use that word, uh, yeah. very accurately. Like it was delightful when you got this new cape or trinket or glass mm -hmm. staff or, when you the bugbear, it's actually a freaking bugbear in his goblin yeah. minions, uh, in this world of you know tying kind of that nostalgia to it. So it's just it's also I think just from a validation standpoint, it's nice to know like you have this desire. Did you actually achieve it? I, I, and in that case, mission accomplished. Yeah, I mean that. So that was I would I would say that that was my goal was was to like give you the like dopamine rewards that that I don't feel like, or I didn't at least feel like would happen if I just said, okay, you found the sword, write it on your sheet and imagine it in your brain. Um, it did take, <laughs> so on the other end, it took a lot of time 
to like scour Bricklink, which is a, a website where you can buy like small quantities of Legos. Took a lot of time and a, and a decent amount of money. <laughs> Legos yeah, you, aren't you Legos aren't super expensive, but they add up. I, I, they add up, especially um, if you're buying them a la carte. Yes, um, and I would. I mean, we could probably do a whole episode on on this, and I. I still have most of the stuff, so we probably could. On Lego um, D&D, yes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I highly recommend it, especially if you're playing in a table around. If you are like the minis and like maps type of group, Legos is just super fun. Chris and I used to play at a uh, a board game shop here in San Diego. Um, and he had a minifigure and I had a minifigure. I think we we're playing Curse of Strahd. Um, oh, yeah, and everybody else had like the D and D minis that you buy, like you know, three for five bucks or whatever. That like they would get as close as they could. Um, and I would bring ours, and everybody in the shop would come over, and be like, oh, "What? You have Legos? Oh, that's such a brilliant idea!" And I'm like, "Yeah." And if I get a new hat, I can put a new hat on them. And like we're all geeking out about Legos. Um, so like, it just brings some wonder back into it and like some more excitement, because again, like if you're not excited about as a DM or as a player, if you're not excited about the game you're running or playing, it's going to fall through. You're going to call out, you're going to, you know, do whatever you can to not, you're not going to want to work on it, whatever it is. So that was a, that was a nice little way for me to like get excited about running my first adventure. How would you take, so how that, that, that underlying theme of wanting to give your players a good experience or you know an immersive experience or however you want to define mm-hmm. that how yeah. have you taken that and evolved it over over the past 10 years good question so the legos worked because we were at least some of us were local and I was re- I just was really into Legos for like a couple of years. I don't know. We also um, did some uh, streams where we set up some pretty elaborate camera. Yes. <laughs> Remember that? Where you were yeah. streaming the board to the guys back in Cincinnati? Yeah, because we, we have, since we've been playing, we never played D&D when we were in like high school and we were all actually together. So since we've been playing, we've all been uh, remote from each other and now more than ever. I don't think there's a single person that plays that's in the same town as another person. Whereas at least when we used to play, we were both in the same town and we could stream it to them. But um, so kind of through necessity of like, I'm not setting up that whole table by myself and I'm not streaming it to all of you guys and I'm not done buying Legos. Um, the, the goal of like wanting everybody to have fun and be kind of immersive didn't change. So the next one I ran was a, um, what is the, the 19, like seventies. What was, what was the mass frost? Mighty aggression. No, that was oh, the, the strange, the high strangeness, high strangest. What was the, um, monster of the week monster of the week. Okay. Oh, so a great the, campaign. Yeah. The next one I ran was monster of the week and we did that on roll 20 and and discord similar to what we we do now sometimes but i wanted that to be i wanted you to have more freedom i wanted it to be more more sandbox so like i'm not i did build a map but the map was like of the whole city and i basically just took a real city in like pits in like pennsylvania 
and drew some different dots on it. Um, so it was like a, a very tall, like like high view city map. I'm like, you can go to any of these places. But what I did to try to immerse you guys in that one was because it took place. I don't remember the exact year, like 1965, something like that. I went through like Google images and tried to find like small towns in that time frame and you know just different we had some like key locations so like uh an abandoned uh drive-in so i found a picture of an abandoned drive-in or uh, a munitions factory the river the forest you know whatever it was so i tried to find like images that that portrayed a like this is the time frame we're in to get you in like the mindset and either that or like the tone so like creepy forest abandoned factories you know these types of things just to get you some like visuals because it was much more theater of the mind um which i think is is very fun but i wanted you to have some grounding because sometimes theater of the mind can be can be hard to like really for everybody a to be on the same page or for it to be like actually engaging um so I, i tried to i tried to set some not exactly like parameters, but just to give you a, a jumping off point. Yeah. You also did a lot of like, you included some key things like who was the president. Uh, Coca-Cola was sold in glass bottles for the first time. Like yeah. little details that kind of gave us just some of the, because that like 1960, like, obviously we weren't born then. And this yeah. it's a little bit harder mm-hmm. to kind of get a bead on what it was like at that time mm-hmm. period. But just having the little things to work with and like what music was popular. Yeah. So that was, it's, I wrote a lot of this out, um, like kind of longer story form a little bit. So I did want, like with grounding like that, again, none of us were alive at this time. So I, I wanted to be able to, to give you more frames of reference. I forget how to work. I'm in it for Roll20 now in the old game. But like even just one of them is like a a picture of like a stack of documents. So so like just to, again, give like, I also wanted puzzles in that game. So I had, I don't know if we did them, actually. I don't remember getting into puzzles, but I do remember just our encounter with the Mothman. Yeah. Being a a significant puzzle. And even some of the social interactions. Like, I know it took us a little while to overcome uh, the inertia to really get into the story. Mm-hmm. which was just a scheduling scheduling issue more than anything. Yeah. But like once we started playing and I remember one scenario where, you know, we had infiltrated a, a, a building and kind of created a, a distraction to kind of get some information or something mm-hmm. by causing a plumbing problem. <laughs> oh yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah. And just, I mean, I'm sure as a DM you had, you hadn't accounted for that scenario, but yeah, not at all. By doing what you said, creating this sandbox in this really authentic world, we were able to build a really rich... I wish we fucking could have recorded those sessions. I know. those, Those were such excellent sessions where... All of the story ta- storytelling and world building and interpersonal connections and relationships really were at the forefront driving the story forward. I think this is is where we we all kind of turned the page in our like players' journey. Um, 
to more like role playing to more exactly all the stuff you said, like interpersonal relationships, character driven story, like all of that stuff. This is this is the game. That's the game that I, I think where we all like were on the same page for that. Uh, so it ended up working out really well. Like you said, st- like some of the like scheduling sucked. We were like doing it around Christmas and a whole bunch of stuff. And then like what like inertia is, I think, the best word for it. Once you miss a couple sessions, it's so hard to get back <laughs> yeah. back into like the swing of things. COVID um, actually helped us in that case. I th- yeah. But sucks to say. Yeah, I I feel like that's probably I don't know if that's true for a lot of people, but like the technologies is is all here now, like Discord, Roll Twenty, that kind of stuff. Um, and it's not like we're doing anything else. So yeah, might as might as well. Might as well. I um, looked forward to it uh, absolutely, especially during that time. Yeah. So my my goal there it was it was very different. I would just drop a picture of like Main Street, you know, whatever small town, nineteen sixty eight to give you just like a sense of the time and give you a couple other like anchor points and then set you free. Uh, and it was kind of cool. Cause you guys were like from that town. So I didn't have to explain like a ton of stuff. Like this is what happens here. I would ask you what happens there. What, like, what do you know about that place? And you got to build out a lot of the, uh, the world. Yeah, uh, which and, was which was really fun, and it's rewarding as the as the player too, because mm-hmm. we're also as we're playing, you know, the DM has their vision of the world in their head. Each of the individual players has their own <laughs> view of what this world looks like. Yeah, so being able to kind of create and influence aspects of the world as it relates to the story, whether it's the party story or the individual mm-hmm. story or the relationships between them, that's the new dopamine hit. I mean, we were all newbies. A new cool-looking sword in our avatar's hand was mm-hmm. was that. But now, when we have those 15, 25-minute sessions where it's just inter-party discussions, you know, maybe also with the NPC, yeah. and we're building the story together, that's the new rush that I'm seeking. That's the, the tale of the dragon that I'm chasing. Yeah. Yeah. And that is so like the last one that I DM'd was Mass Froth. Mm-hmm. And I didn't use Roll 20. I probably should have for the same reasons uh that I liked to use it in high strangeness. You know, it was a different time period, it's 1890s. It's two locations that none of us have been to. I've been to the Vatican, but not in 1890. So giving you like some anchors of like, this is what the Vatican looks like. This is what a market in Cairo looks like that, Mm -hmm. like those types of things I think would have been helpful, maybe not necessary anymore because we, I think we all are on kind of a higher level now. So we are, our theater of the mind is good enough to, to just do the, the heavy lifting. And even like, I didn't give you any of the maps. I don't believe which was we in, just, in the game that we, we played just talked through it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there wasn't anything like complicated. I think yeah. the only place you were in was like their hideout, which was like three rooms, maybe four. So, yeah, um, I think in the, the only case where it might have made an inkling modicum of a difference is that carpet, that carpet. Track. Yeah. And that, so part of it was like bill, I think it was in this. No, maybe it was in the other one. Uh, Bill likes to have the maps or at least like go through 
um, dimension by dimension, because that's how a lot of times, like if you're building a dungeon, we'll say like, if you're building a gridded out map and you have a secret room, that's how you find it. It's like, Oh, this room's five feet shorter than the, than it should be. So there's, there's something, you know, there's something to miss. Um, and I had never actually thought of that. So that was like, or if you're building a, great... a mystery, like it gives you yeah. some visual interest for the party. Cause if you say, Oh, and there's a faint crack against the corner. Yeah. Then you're just giving it, you know, mm -hmm. I feel like there's, there's a balance. And that's one thing that I took away from our, the first game that I ran the extra dimensional spaces one mm -hmm. of being able to provide more of those connective investigative clues and linkages. Yeah. Mysteries are tough. Cause like it is, like you said, it's either too vague and they never find it or you're just giving it to them sometimes. Um, so it, it's, it's a hard balance. I mean, same with like riddles and stuff in, in games, like either Billy gets it right away or, or, yeah. None of us get it, you know, for weeks. Too obtuse um, or not a... Not, not yeah. Um, well, I, I want to ask you, though, kind of... I love this idea of, you know, your... One thing that sparks joy for you is is really bringing uh, enjoyment to the players and delighting your players as a DM. Mm -hmm. The next game that you run... Yeah. What's something that you're going to do different or new to kind of take that to the next you know, level or iteration or next expression of that. Do you have any hmm. ideas? I don't. I think that like... Or what would you I, what would you want to experiment with then? Yeah, I, that's a good question. I don't know. Um, I think that every game I run is a like... Like standing on the shoulders of giants type thing. Like I, I take from the games I've previously run, things that worked, things that didn't work, and the games I've played in, things that worked, things that didn't work. Um, and since we've been playing a lot more frequently, I haven't like probably should have like a lessons learned like log somewhere. Um, that's why, like, when we do the review uh, episodes at the end of a campaign, yeah. that that's like, kind of one way we can get some of that. But I know I'm sure some things fall through the cracks. Yeah, so I I think I will get back to roll twenty. What way would you know. use it differently then? I think it depends on. I don't know if I'll use it differently, but I didn't use it in the last game, so I'll use it again because I do think it's a, a tool that's like like very useful, and we all have it. So like it's it's nice and easy for the dice rolls. It's nice and easy either to build in dungeons or to just do like thematic type stuff like like I've done before, just pictures of things. Um, yeah. And it, it just gives us like a, an area to talk in and like see things. So I, I don't know. I think it depends on the, on the, on the campaign, to be honest. Okay. Um, Maybe on like the type. Yeah. On the type of campaign it is like, I think we all have a few more tools in our toolbox to, to make them either more immersive, more just run smoother. Um, a lot of what I like, roll 24 is it like takes away a lot of the the lag and the like yeah. downtime for like oh i'm trying to look through my spell book or whatever like it's all right here click the damn button <laughs> yeah um makes it very accessible so i like that and i had like given up a little bit on roll 20 but billy is like really our resident roll 20 expert he builds like whole cities he like in autocad <laughs> draws them out yeah he's um, an engineer so he's yeah 
so he really has like set the bar for that. Yeah. Um, so I think that's something I'll bring back. I think the, the character voices that I did in um, Masfroth's will will stay. So I, I think it's like an addition of everything and everything. There may be something else depending on what it is. Cause I, I don't know. I have a couple that I'm like interested in running. I don't know if we're going to keep doing um, the candle keep book. If, if we do, then like, I don't get to, you know, like write my own, which is fine. Cause I don't, have, <laughs> to be honest, I have time to do it anyway. Yeah. But yeah, I, I can't think of anything that like, I haven't done that I would want to do like that's brand new, but I would like bring like a, a best of type of the way that I, I look at a lot of things. There's a quote from Bruce Lee where he was talking about inventing his martial art. Um, Jeet Kune, Jeet Kune, Do. Kune Do. Yeah. And he said, study everything and keep what work. And I like to think, I like to do that in a lot of different, if different areas I, I want to like, I'll try it, but if it doesn't work, it's not staying. Yeah, and it's also it's what works is relative, which I exactly. think is really important. So if you know if the if the next campaign is like dungeon focused and like there's a lot of monsters and a lot of combat, you're you know we're using gridded out maps potentially. If it is more because like Masfroth's, you had two uh, like battle encounters, like you didn't really need. And they were open, Maps. it seemed like, like relatively open. Yeah. Encounter. They weren't complicated either. No. So we didn't really need any like visual representation of you're here, you're there, this person's there. But, you know, if, if the next one does necessitate that, we can do it. It's no big deal. Um, if it's like exploration, again, like thinking of like what is fun, the, the game that Bill ran, which I also wish we recorded. Oh, the Greystocks Manor? Yes. He had the whole, it was like very much like an exploration. It wasn't, it was like dungeon crawly, but it, there wasn't like enemies everywhere. We only had, I think, like two encounters. But they were but, doozy encounters. Yes, they were, they were very hard. But the point of it, it was very, actually very similar to some of the stuff that we're playing now. It was like a mystery and we're in a, an abandoned manner. So like having the grid and having like the map already made so that we can explore was part of the fun for that game. It was part of the immersion for that game. And Billy um, pumped a ton of lore into it. Yes. Which I think is also like he's he's planting all these little seeds for us to find and explore, which was fun. I actually wouldn't because he put a lot of work into that. I would be totally okay with revisiting that campaign. <laughs> and record, just doing it again yeah well because yeah. uh, the other fun thing too is like billy wrote that it would be great to like actually pack that into a module and put it on the website that people could download and play that would be fun yeah. i would do that i love that character i would too. i love my character and i loved your character um yeah likewise and i think like we have the ability to to, to publish those like it'd be great to share yeah. with others um and i felt like it left us in like a good place to like it was a good, I think we were level three. Yeah, I think we ended Maybe up we were level five. I don't know. Whatever we were. Like, it, it was a good, like, starting point for, like, these characters to go on, like, further adventures also. Yeah, especially um, if we wanted to loop those into Candlekeep. Yeah, which I had planned on doing. Again, if we keep doing it, like, I think we were level five and we we're going to be level six. So I was going to make Billy do the level six one and it would be that crew again. Oh, that's right. Yeah. 
Which would just, you know, kind of a callback to a thing that none of our listeners heard. <laughs> yeah. But if we could have that in the meantime, yeah. that'd be great. Because I do want to, I, I love these adventures because five sessions, we can get through a fun little story, change characters. Mm-hmm. It's always fresh. And you've mentioned this before. It's practice for us. Like every time yeah. we do this, we still do our zero sessions, even though they're they're what's right for us, what we need to get started. But we can get lots of reps in. And I think yeah. that's what's also helped us grow a lot is just getting lots of quality reps in. Yeah. So um, I, I would actually love, we'll float it by Billy to see if he, he want to do that again and maybe make that adventure more accessible to the public. But I think that would that be, would be cool. cool. And I want to continue with the candle keep stuff, but I also want to give us a chance to like pivot away a little bit, mm-hmm. try some other game systems, stories and things, you know, whether or not they're outside of D and D is fine. I do want to get back into monster of the week and some other game systems. Yeah. I mean, like you, there's more books coming out. Yeah. That sound interesting. There there's other games. Exactly. Like there's other game systems. There's other games I'd like to run. Um, I think the next one that like I have written that I want to run is with the 1890s people. I would love to pick that up again too. Yeah. Um, I love those characters and the party dynamics. And I think it's mostly done. But I was planning. I was planning on doing some special stuff with that one too. So we'll we'll see if we can do it. But yeah, I don't know. I think every every game that I play, if if this next one is the one that we that I run the nineteen eighteen nineties, I have two pictures in the roll twenty, and that's it. So it I had some like real life stuff I wanted to do in this. Um, so like some like tactile, I wanted us to be together. I wanted it to be like a, a Christmas game uh-huh. where we all can, can play together. Um, I won't in case I ever, it's like kind of like a grand plan in case I ever actually get to do it. I won't spoil it, but I had some like real world things I wanted to do for this one also. To just so maybe that's like the it's weird, but that's like the next thing that I would want to work on is like maybe taking some things off the page a little bit and bringing them into the real world. Similar, I guess, like with the Legos, like some tactile kind of fun um, things for us to do. Yeah, well, I think and it goes like delight and surprise, and that does that exactly. in spades. Like, yeah, I actually forgot about that until I was uh, looking at these pictures because I've been planning this game for a couple years. But well, I think this show, I, what I want this show to be is a, a platform where we can actually finally take some of these ideas we've been mulling over yeah. and, and, so, and maybe not in the, the, the way, the ideal way we wanted them to come to fruition, but at least give us a chance to play with them and test them a little bit. Yeah. Bring them to life a little. Cause that, that, I mean, the mass frost reskin was so much fun and I hope gave you a little taste of what it would be like to run that campaign yeah it definitely gave us a taste of what it would be like and it was awesome because for that like world i have like i said i have like the original like meeting of these people together written uh, so like what brought them together the mystery that they solve and then i have like items to build the like larger world out um that you may or may not discover like little hints in that campaign of like, Oh, there's maybe something bigger going on here. Um, You may not, I don't know, but like I have like a whole 
mythos built behind that campaign. And we never get like, I'm never, we're never going to get to run that campaign. (laughs) So, so being able to do the kind of small chunk of it, um, did it's, it's a proof of concept and it did work. And if we ever get to run that larger adventure again, we can Mm -hmm. package it up, publish it, uh, on the site and and make it accessible to people. Like, I think that would be a lot of fun. So I, I, I do think that, so kind of circling back to the things that I will do next. I think playing the way that we have been playing in these shorter sessions has helped me as a writer find some pacing. So if I'm making a large campaign, I think now that we've played enough of these like one shots to find the pacing, I would probably mimic like their pace and, and do like story arc. So like a three act structure type thing. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the first one shot is maybe act one and then act two, act three or whatever. So instead of like trying to bite it all off into one big chunk to give you like little like episodic stories that, that work into like the larger story that might be tough sometimes, but like, I, I think, I think that might be a goal of mine. Yeah, I think that likewise, and we've we've also had some like past discussions too of like arced things like mm-hmm. like this because it gives like I think we've also have fallen into this more naturally in the way we've been playing yeah. sort of prior to this. You know, Billy would run a small campaign, we'd wrap up that story. You'd run the next one, wrap that yeah. story, and we would kind of cycle through. Um, kind of like what we are doing now. Just now we're it's, recording it's, it and putting it on yeah. the internet. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so I want, I think like focusing on those and, and telling a bigger story within those smaller arcs would be a ton of fun. I look forward to doing that. Yeah. So that was like, that's to be honest, when we started doing it before we were recording was like part of my, the goal of the thing, you know, like I had, when we were doing that, I was doing the um, monster of the week and I had already monster of the week, you know, two basically season two season two, like written out ish. Um, Billy was doing the like more classic D and D and you had the um, cyberpunk. Like I, I, that's what I wanted. Like basically the three of us, if Mark had a campaign he wanted to run, he could jump in and do it too. But we, we do it, you know, trade off basically the, the yeah. same way that we're doing this. Mm-hmm. Um, but with stuff we've written switching to this just took a lot of the burden away. You know, it's yeah. pre-written so much easier. So it's, yeah, it's way easier because all of us are, you know, adults with busy lives. Um, not to say that everyone else isn't, but you you prioritize what you can prioritize and and writing whole big long campaigns with their lore and, and auto catting it out. <laughs> you know, it's like not everybody has that time and, and we didn't. So we had to make, you know, a choice. Yeah. 10 Either, years ago, we did. 10 years ago, we did. I mean, even just before I got the position that I'm in now, I did yeah. not even you know, like the past positions, my like bandwidth was, was just lower. So I could sit at work all day and, and think about Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. Fair point. Um, so yeah, I, yeah, I, I think that that would be, that would be fun. And that that's like the episodic storytelling is, is easier to wrap my head around, especially in some of like the very big stories that I'm interested in telling. Um, mm-hmm. That might be, that's an easy way to get to it. Yeah, I think I'm going to piggyback on on that with uh, the episodic storytelling and more mm-hmm. concisely the the pacing. Yeah, 
I think as I've been writing adventures in the past, you, know, you kind of have that story, but really breaking those down into the beats yeah, and, and, and playing so many of these one shots and other people's adventures as well has given just better insight to that because you, you want to find that nice balance of rewarding your players for progressing the story, but also feel like it's not such a linear track that it's not, you know, enjoyable or fun or interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And the, the, it, it's interesting because I've been like dabbling in like screenwriting for decades. Just, I think it's, I have ideas, I write them down and it's like cathartic kind of like, okay, I've got that on paper. That'll be there if I need it kind of thing. I won't forget it. Um, but there's a lot of tools out there. Like uh, Blake Snyder's beat sheet yeah. is one of them, but there's a ton of like storytelling beat sheets, the hero's journey. Um, Dan Harmon has one like the circle or whatever. Those don't only have to work for like TV or movies. They can work for novels. They can, they can work for uh, your D and D adventure. Like it's a, it's a, structure of storytelling that we are all very used to so when things fall into place it's satisfying because we kind of expect it to so you can easily just write your your campaign out along those beats and if you want you know a, like a super long campaign just again do it kind of episodically yeah don't take out don't take on the whole thing because you write that larger adventure i nine times out of ten the party's going to take a different track than yeah. what you expect and you're gonna have to pivot anyways so have the, the big picture in mind but really focus your efforts on those smaller arcs that lead up to it and, and also don't be in so in love with what you're creating that you don't allow some room for your for the players to leave their mark as well yeah there's a good balance there's a nice healthy balance there don't be so protective of it welcome it that would be yeah. my, my recommendation well, my friend, I think the last point that you said referring to Bruce Lee really sums up this episode. Study everything. Keep what works. I think that's been our approach and it's served mm -hmm. us well to kind of hone in on what we like. Do you have any other last um, nuggets of wisdom before we wrap up for the day? Hmm. Focus, you know, have a goal. Like the, the point of this conversation was like, what what are, what goals do we have? What What do we go into a a session focused on it's it's also in the vein of like practiced play like have something you're focused on uh, if you if you don't and you just go and you play like it'll be fun and and you'll you know you'll get better eventually but if you if you can identify things that you want to focus on and want to get better on uh and go into your next sessions focused on that you're going to get better a lot quicker and the game is going to be more fun because you you are just better. Yeah, and you have something to actually work toward. So write it on your character sheet. That way you don't forget yeah. it. Yeah, smart. Awesome. Well, that wraps up our episode on how to grow and evolve as players and DMs and collaborative storytellers. We hope you got something out of this discussion. Don't forget to check us out on plusonetogaming.com for all of our other character creation discussions, DM resources, and live plays. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll catch you next time.